0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's a gift on him. And so I just want you to open up your heart and receive and don't be critical of what's going to happen. Come on, stretch your hands to Steve. Father, I thank you, Lord, for my friend, for your servant, Lord, that your anointing will be upon him. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that he, he preaches and he preaches, Lord God, as Paul says, not with eloquence to speech, but in the demonstration of spirit and power, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah, eloquence of speech isn't something I carry, so uh, <laughs> you can probably tell by my accent I don't speak the Queen's or the King's English. I speak English English. <laughs> oh, oh. I speak the way that we're meant to speak, so... No, I, I, uh, I will tone down my regional accent so you can understand me, okay? So, well, God bless you. Um, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's amazing that, that it's taken Pastor George uh, a long time to, to, of hammering me and, and wearing me down to get me to come and be a part of the church. I just had a season of real, real hiddenness, and sometimes that happens. And uh, a season of... of uh, brokenness and a season of grinding down to dust, a season of becoming nothing, absolutely nothing, and God stripping away everything that you held true and dear, and what's left at the end of that, right? And some of you will be like, yeah, I can, I can relate. I remember in my early 20s coming out of a conference and just uh, saying, Lord, 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 take it all, take it all, and then going up to people afterwards and said, I just gave everything to Jesus. And then fast forward 20 years later on, I thought that was nothing. I gave nothing to Jesus back then, except for a bit of lip service. What happens in your life when at the end of your life or later on in your life, you're still serving God, you're still faithful to God, when everything's been taken away from you, right? I mean, as Pastor George was saying earlier on, that he sees people here that are still serving God faithfully, right? How many people did you start this walk with who are still walking walking with God? Yeah? Yeah? I mean, it should be everybody. Now, the difference is this for those who walk with God still 20, 30 years later and those who maybe don't. When you're born again in revival, in a move of the Spirit, those people rarely fall away from the Lord. Most of the people I got saved with when I was younger uh, in this area are still serving God today. Most of them are in ministry, which is amazing because we got saved in revival. We got saved when, when we would come to church and the word would be preached for hours. We'd park up in the back of church, and we'd get together, and we'd pray. We'd leave, and we'd go to lunch, and we'd come back again, and we'd just be hungry for the Lord. I'll tell you, I'm in my mid-40s now, and that hunger hasn't died down. It's increased. Amen? The fire of God, I know, I wanted to come, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to preach on? I want to preach on whatever happened to the fire of God in Orlando. But then he said, will you come and preach on the work of the Holy Spirit? And I said, sure, sure, I'll do that. Why not? But you cannot separate the fire from the Holy Spirit. He's the same person. Amen? Hebrews 12 says that our God is a consuming fire. And He'll consume you until you die. Die to self, die to will, die to your desires. Just die. It's a bloody gospel. Jesus came to die. And He tells us that we must die to ourselves, die to our own desires, our flesh. It doesn't mean that we don't have weakness. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle in life. It doesn't mean we have it all together. But it means that we surrender our lives and our wills to Him. Amen? We surrender everything we have because He's the answer. He has the answers to life. He is the life. Everything that we need in this life, He provides to us. Amen? James says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing you have in your life comes from Him. Which uh, segues me into the next part. I've got my lovely family here with me, who are who are the good things in my life. So, got my wonderful children back there. If you see me, drop the mic and run and take care of my daughter. Uh, just be patient. It's just what parents do, right? That's what I mean. There isn't a lot of eloquence here. So, the last time I wore this jacket preaching the gospel or preaching, I was in Nigeria. And uh, the British Embassy got a hold of me and said, Stephen, you must leave this country now. You've been targeted for death, and uh, your hotel's been targeted to be bombed. The churches you're going to are going to be bombed. You must leave now. And I said, Okay. So I went to church and, uh, and preached the gospel. <laughs> and, and God moved, and people got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. People got healed, demons came out. And miracles don't just happen in Africa. I'm a minister and a missionary to Africa or or, or whatever I am to Africa. But miracles don't just happen there. They happen here as well. Amen. I've seen demons come out on the streets of Orlando. I've seen demons come out of my home when people have come over and visit. I've seen devils come out in England. I've seen people healed. I've seen people set free by the power of God. Amen. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and power. Amen. Amen. Here in America. Because either his word works and his spirit works here or it doesn't work anywhere. Why? Because he works in us, the children of God. Everywhere we go, we carry the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit and the presence and the person of Jesus. Amen. You don't need to show that video I had prepared, by the way. I'm not very good at preparing videos and things like that. I'm not very good at social media. But I actually lead an organization that we've just started called Ignite Global Missions. And we're an apostolic five-fold ministry group. And we plant churches. We evangelize. People get saved. We plant churches. And I'm happy that this is my house. This is the sending house. Amen. And as, as ex-Pastor George, soon-to-be Apostle George... As he steps into his role, this isn't a, now hear me, it's not a rebuke or correction. It's a learning curve. This is not a releasing house. It's a sending house. Amen? We don't release people. We send people. Okay, when you get sent from this house into the mission field, you can go with full assurance that God is with you. The power of God is with you. People are praying for you. We believe that God will pack this house to where you can be sent even financially. In Jesus' name. Amen? So Pastor George, Apostle George, is also the bishop of this house. We want to be correct biblically. Nowhere in Scripture did a pastor lead a church. Amen. It was led by bishops, elders, bishop being the head elder, and deacons. And then the five-fold ministry gifts, by the way. Nowhere in Scripture did it say a five-fold ministry gift could not be a woman. Nowhere in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture... Did apostles and prophets cease? We don't see it. I mean, how do we still have evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but not apostles and prophets? It's nonsense. We wonder why the church in America sometimes shrinks, because we gather people pastorally. We gather them into the church, and then we keep them in the church. I was pastoring a church in England, and we had, a, had an apostle come over from, uh, from Kenya, And he called me out, and I was leading this church. I was one of the elders. I was leading the actual congregation. And he called me out and said, Stephen, what are you still doing in this house? You're meant to be out there. And I I dropped my head. I said, I know, but I just don't know how to let go. Yeah? And then my world kind of unraveled because I hung on there too long. But then we were sent. Amen? If you're obedient to God, God will find a way to send you. Amen? Because God doesn't want us just to congregate. It's important. We come together. We worship. We pray. We we have fellowship with one another. But after that, we get prepared in the house of God to go into the world, all the world, to all the nations. Amen? Now, we don't all start in Africa. I had to start in my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. I was 17 years old. I came to America. I was poor and destitute. I had a one-way ticket. I arrived and the guy at emigration said, why are you here? And I said, I'm here to stay with my dad. He said, you got a one-way ticket. I said, yeah, I know. He looked me up and down and said, okay. He snapped my passport and I came. Three months later, someone came and preached Jesus to me and I gave my life to Jesus. First time I ever heard the gospel in America, Not, not in England. Nowhere else. I came to America to hear the gospel. And that night I gave my life to Jesus. I had an encounter with God. And I tell you, I've I got to stand in front of crowds larger than the town in which I'm from. Amen. It's pretty awesome that God will take whatever you've got. And the Holy Spirit will put His seal upon you. And He'll turbocharge that which God birthed in you yeah. from the time you were born. He'll put His Spirit upon you. And you'll get to do the things He's called you to. But just be faithful. Yeah. Amen? Don't give up. When you feel like you want to give up, don't give up. Don't walk away from God. If you're struggling in sin, don't change doctrine to justify your actions. But when you come to the end of yourself, recognize, man, I've messed up, and come to the foot of Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me, restore me, and He'll restore you. Amen? And then he'll send you when the time's right. The older I get and the more I'm around ministers, the more I realize we're all screwed up. I mean, yeah, we have godly character. We should. We all should. But we, the older we get, the less we... I mean, you look at the words of Paul and you realize that as he gets older, he realizes how weak he really is. He starts out strong with all the strength and the bravado and then the physical strength goes from him as he gets older and then persecution comes. By the way, the call of an apostle isn't just to see Jesus in the flesh. It's not just signs and wonders. It's suffering. Oh, You still want to be an apostle? You want to be in ministry? Prepare to suffer. Prepare to lose everything. That you thought was important in your life. I ain't prophesying over you. I don't want you to lose anything. But I know it's tough. When the Apostle Paul says, all in Asia have left me. Can you imagine a whole continent leaving your ministry? And you're the most famous preacher in the world. And everybody turns their back on you and says, this man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, I'm the Apostle Paul. What do you mean I don't know what I'm talking about? I birthed the church in those nations. And we wonder why we, we can't stand a tiny bit of persecution. Amen. I can speak this way because I've experienced it. You can speak with an authority when you're willing to give your life for that which is important. And it's tough because when I go on the mission field, whether it's down the street, whether it's Paramore, whether it's wherever it is, whether, whether it's in a popka, whether it's in the nations of the world, And we're willing to give our lives. I remind myself, God, I've got children. And I remember the stories of people like Richard Wormbrand, who wrote Tortured for Christ, who was in prison for 18 years and bore the scars in his body when communism and, and before that Nazism tried to kill him. And he remembers the words of his children, I don't want a coward for a father. Amen. And yet sometimes when... Struggles come to us, to our lives. We're so quick to run from Jesus and run to the world. You know, we have struggles. We struggle with sin. We do. But don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't live the life of sin. Amen? Be quick to repent. Be quick to turn from it. Because I know what Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If we continue in sin... There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgment. I know what it's like to be driving down the street, looking over my shoulder because I know if I die today in my sin as a man, supposed man of God, then I'll stand before God and give an account because I've denied Jesus by my lifestyle and my actions. Imagine being on that day, depart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. Can you imagine being that person? I've been with those people who used to fellowship with me and worship with me. And now they, not only do they say they don't believe, but now they are are preachers for atheism. And they will be the greatest persecutors of the church in these end times. Because they have to justify their actions. So don't change scripture to justify your actions. Fall upon our knees and say, Lord, would you restore me? Would you heal me and deliver me? When I was younger, I remember you said about those days. It was July 4th, 1996 with RTG and, uh, and uh, uh, Carlos Salmiento. I was uh, just being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we had a meeting down on uh, Cocoa Beach, I think. And, and I remember driving down and everything went wrong with our car to stop us from getting there. But when I got there, these guys laid hands on me. Pastor George, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, George, uh, Scott George and uh, Carlos Salmiento, they laid hands on me. The power of God hit me and it radically changed my life. But miracles started flowing in my life. The, the Holy Spirit was powerful. I would lay hands on people. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. I would lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. Demons came out easy, but I got a big head. I became prideful. I could not yet handle the presence of God in its fullness the way I wanted it to. God had to deal with the character. And if you allow Him to deal with your character, you'll get to do things that you never thought possible. They can't even write books about the things you're going to do. Because no one would believe it. There's that new film out recently. And I, I wrote on the, on the, the Facebook uh, uh, site for it, uh, uh, The Pope's Exorcist. And I wrote, why do they keep making movies about this stuff? We literally get to do this stuff. Come on. Like one guy they make a movie about. I'm like, I've done this a thousand times before. Yeah, I've never seen anyone walking on the wall, but not far from it. I've actually seen someone levitate before. That's pretty wild. Casting the devil out of someone like that. That's awesome. It's great fun. We get to do this stuff. And then when we're done casting out demons, we get to preach the gospel to them and lead them to the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. That's kind of my introduction. Uh, So my name is Stephen Halford. I'm from England. England! And uh, so the ministry is based here. We're based actually myself here in this church. And the church is ascending arm and sending us to England. We'll be in England soon for five weeks, preaching over there, planting a new church. Our headquarters, Ignite Global Missions is going to be in the south of England. So far, everybody that I've ever known has come against me coming. So I know God's in it. Amen. The, the, my, my spiritual authority, I said, hey, we're coming. Can you, we want your blessing. They, they rebuked me. And uh, what are you going to do? So, we're going to go with the power and the authority of God. We're going to preach on Wednesdays and, and Sundays and do some street evangelism. And we've already got a team over there. We've already got people saying, Steve, come, bring your team, come over and give us covering. We've got Ignite uh, uh, Nigeria, which is going. Uh, we're going to be there in October. And when we're there in October, I got a phone call yesterday. Steve, the, the organizer, scared. I said, Why are you scared? He said, Well, the crowds are so big, we don't know how we're going to contain them. Well, don't contain them. Don't contain what God wants to do. Find a field. And get a sound system loud enough where everyone can hear. Because we're not just there to preach the gospel, as important as that is. That's the role. So the, the role of that, that, that apostolic role is you don't just want to see people saved. You want to see them discipled. You want to see them trained and equipped and then sent out. So it's a twofold heart. When people used to say, Steve, you're an evangelist. I'm like, ah, it doesn't sit right with me. just never really sat right because I want to see people saved. But I also want to see them, excuse me, can I get some water? <coughs> You also want to see them discipled in the church and then sent out from the church to do exactly what we have just did in the church, right? So I think it's in Mark chapter 5 or Mark chapter 6 where Jesus had a circuit and he'd go about preaching. And then we see that throughout history, the great preachers had circuits. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, he had a circuit around England. And that's when you're sent out, you go and you preach and you make disciples, you plant churches. And then every one of those churches go out and they make disciples and they preach the gospel. Instead of just saying, just come to my church, come to my church. And we gather and we gather. The the, the great American gospel enterprise is our churches grow and they grow and they grow. They get to a certain size. They either implode or the preacher sins. And then those people have nowhere else to go and they never go back to church because they're disgusted. Thank you. You with me? It's just water, guys. (laughs) Amen. Say amen. Amen. I love that. If I was in England say amen, they wouldn't, just to be defiant. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to be going soon, and this is all part of the message, but we're going to be going soon to uh, England for five weeks. Thank you, brother. We're going to be going for five weeks. And I'm uh, preaching, teaching in Nigeria later on in the year. Nigeria is scary because we went there 13 years ago. Revival broke out in the north. And right after that, the persecution started from the Muslims. And so far, like half a million people have been displaced. You know, 35,000 people were killed, murdered. These are the people that revival broke out. And the revival still going on today. And the great thing about persecution, you heard that here, the great thing about persecution is that it makes the people strong. Amen. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, don't run to it, but don't be afraid of it. <laughs> if you're going on the mission field, have good life insurance. Sometimes my kids are like, I'm going to be in danger. Like, you're going to leave us some money, aren't you? <laughs> going to live forever anyway. I'm just playing. So just want to start in Acts chapter 5, verse 32. You don't have to turn there. Acts 5.32, it says that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Amen. Some years ago, I was in England traveling, and uh, I lived in America for 13 years. And then I was back in England for 11 years, and then I've been back here six years. And, um, and I was in England preaching, and, uh, and as I was preaching, I gave the altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I'm walking down the line, I stopped at this one man, a young man, and, uh, and, and he said, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I want to speak in tongues. I said, okay, raise your hands and pray. And as he did, the Lord spoke to me and said, he can't receive because he's in sin. And he said to me that he's living with his girlfriend, not sleeping with her, but living with his girlfriend. And I stopped and said, are you living with your girlfriend? I said, do you have a girlfriend? He says, yes. I said, and you're living with her, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. I said, you need to do one of two things. You need to either break up with her, move out and continue dating her and keep it clean, or marry her. Is she a believer? No. Then you need to break up with her. That's simple. Anyway, he married her, she, and, and 20 years later, she's still not a believer, he's still not baptized in the Holy Spirit, still doesn't speak in tongues, you know, and it's a real shame, because God gives the Holy, it doesn't mean that he can't in the future, he just messed up, he needs to come to the Lord and acknowledge that stuff, and he loves his wife, praise God, she's beautiful, she's lovely, but she still needs to get saved. Because He gives His Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, obey Him. It's that simple. Live for Him. Go after Him. Go hard after Him. It doesn't matter what age you are. Yeah, as you get older, we slow down. If we don't have the intensity that we do when we're young. But you don't need the intensity. You just need the dedication. In the morning, good morning, Holy Spirit. Spend time with Him in the Word. Spend time with Him in prayer. Get down somewhere and get on your knees and just acknowledge Him and surrender your life to Him. Because He is the answer to your life. We try to do things on our own and it doesn't work. How many people have you seen start serving God and then they wander away? Now, I'm not a believer in once saved, always saved, or the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Because we see it in Matthew 13. We see the different soil from the seed, the four different soils, right? Right? Some of these people have given their life to God, but they don't love. When, when trials and tribulation come away, they, they, they leave. Amen? I don't know why I said that, but I did, so it's okay. I don't want to go too long, but I mean, I did have five, five pages of notes, which I knew I wasn't going to get through. But it's okay. So, let's go all the way to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm not going to read every verse. I might quote some of them. We will read some verses. We're going to go all the way in the beginning. Because the Holy Spirit isn't just a thing or a force. He's a person. And we want to look at at Jesus the person as well as looking at the Holy Spirit the person. I've got some truth to to slam dunk you with. I'm not tall enough to actually slam dunk, so I've got to do it through the Word. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Amen? All the way in the beginning, we got the Trinity. we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? In the beginning, God created. That's God the Father. Verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Obviously, that's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. That's the word. Amen? Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1. I mean, I probably don't need to turn there. I've probably memorized half the stuff. But John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Amen. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I remember in England, once I was preaching, it was a a damning word. It was a strong word. And afterwards, this man came up, all offended with me, which sometimes happens. And uh, he came up and said, Stephen, you, you, you didn't preach on grace. Why didn't you preach on grace? Like, oh, my goodness. So I won't say his name, but in case he's watching and listening, I don't think he would be. But um, I said, because I wasn't preaching on grace. I was preaching on hell. That was my subject. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, but if you knew me. You knew I was preaching with grace because Jesus came in the spirit of grace and truth. So we often have, we often have two camps. You've got the grace, grace camp, and then you've got just the truth, truth, or the word, word camp. You know, one produces or can produce lasciviousness, a license to sin. The other one can produce legalism, right? Too much, was it too much spirit, you blow up, too much word, you dry up enough of both, and you grow up, right? So we need both in our lives to become mature believers. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Word in our lives, the Word being Jesus, because the Word became flesh. Before Jesus was known as the Son, He was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So uh, I've got so many scriptures I'm not even going to touch, but Colossians chapter 1, so I'm going to mention them to you. You don't have to turn there, okay? Okay. But we want to look at a few scriptures to show that Jesus is God in the flesh. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, where it says, He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, I deal with a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses. When I was six years old, I had a Jehovah's Witness in my town uh, who was my best friend, and they gave me a a Jehovah's Witness Bible, the New World Translation, which has changed. And uh, they changed it, and and I read it. I actually learned to read by reading the Bible. I, I wasn't a Christian, but I had this desire and a hunger for God. I don't know where it came from. Well, I know now, but I didn't know at the time. And so I learned to read by reading my dad this Bible every night. And that's how I actually learned to read, by reading the Word of God. And so when I got saved, when someone preached to me later on, it came alive to me, and, and I understood what it was saying. But one of their things says that Jesus wasn't—that uh, Jesus wasn't with God in the beginning, but he was begotten, meaning he was created. That they believe Jesus was created. So they always refer back to Colossians chapter one verse fifteen that he was the firstborn over all creation. You want to know what that really means? It's simple. He's the firstborn over all creation. There's no one like him before and no one like him since. So, so hear this, though, that, that Adam wasn't born. He was created from the dust of the ground. So there's a difference. So yeah, Jesus was the firstborn. Amen. Anyway, so Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Adam wasn't born. He was created from the dust of the ground. He goes on and talks about the invisible parts of God or the invisible parts of creation, which we talk about, we now know are atoms, those kinds of things. And actually, you know what, I'm going to turn there. <laughs> I have to turn there to explain what it is I'm talking about or else I'm going to be all over the place. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things consist. Amen. All things consist in him. Well, what does that mean? All things are held together. In him, you think about our lives, we have trillions and trillions of atoms. What stops us from just dispersing into space? Something holds us in. The very breath of God is what holds us together instead of just dispersing as stardust. Right? Because we're moving. I mean, you can't see it right now, but you go under a, a, a microscope or a nuclear microscope, and our atoms are moving. Everything a part of us is shaking and moving. But something holds us together. In him all things consist. Jesus, the word of God, when God spoke the word of God and we were created, he caused us to take form and we consist in him, in Christ. You take Christ out of the world and everything stops. Everything stops to cease. Amen. So Jesus was with God in the beginning. He helped create and he holds things all together. Or his breath does. Job 33, verse 4, the breath of God holds all things together. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, sorry, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, it says that Jesus made the worlds. The worlds, there goes the arguments for a flat earth society. (laughs) But Jesus created the worlds. What you see in space, Jesus created that. And we think he's just this, this meek and mild guy that came and was born uh, uh, as a baby. I mean, people love the baby Jesus. It's the adult Jesus they hate. Right? That's a good word, man. Wow. But he came and, he, and, yeah, he was born and he lived a life and then he gave his life at the end. But there's so much more to who he is. That's why John the Apostle, when he sees him in Revelation, falls down like dead at his feet. This is the one who he laid his head at, at, on his bosom. John was the one, the, 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 the apostle whom Jesus loved, but yet he fell down like dead at his feet in the book of Revelation when he saw the resurrected Christ because he's so awesome and so big that we can't help but bow down. That's why one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Even if you don't want to, you're going to. One day we'll stand before God and give an account for our lives. Everything we've said, everything we've done, and the fear of God should hit our lives when we... When we understand that reality. Amen. That's how awesome he is. Jesus, the word, he was there in the beginning. He's eternal. He created all things. But I thought God was the creator. I thought the father was the creator. Well, he is. And Jesus is because they are one. But what does that mean? Woo, Jesus is God. We're in a bit quiet there. I mean, most of you probably believe this, but I want to be a reminder that Jesus is God in the flesh. John chapter 10, verse 30 says, I and my Father am one. That was blasphemy. In verse 33 to 30, 31 to 33, they said to Jesus, by saying this, that you're one with the Father, you're making yourself out to be God. And Jesus didn't rebuke him or correct him. They took up stones to stone him. John chapter 8, something I hear often in England, especially because we have a lot of Muslims, is they say, where in Scripture does Jesus say I am God? I'm about to show you. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I hear that all the time. Where does God say in the Bible? Where does Jesus say in the Bible that I am God? So John chapter 8, verse 53, says this. They say to Jesus, are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him. Imagine that. Imagine being in church, worshiping God, and someone comes up and says, you don't know God. I actually had that happen once. I was in England preaching on the streets, and had these. we kept bumping into these these." people they were probably about, about my age at the time like uh, late teens early 20s and I kept bumping into them and they were drunk and taking drugs and stuff like that and I kept bumping into them so we went out one night we went and we met with them I preached the gospel to them and one of them said yeah I go to church and they said you're not a Christian and she got really offended and she said how could you say I'm not a Christian I sing in my choir I'm like well just because you swim in the sea doesn't make you a fish like, just because you carry a bible doesn't mean that you're a true born-again believer And she got offended. And she got all of her friends and her boyfriend and all their friends riled up to the point where they chased us with sticks and clubs. And I said to my friend, Brian, start the car. And he started the car and he drove up, opened the door. And I dived in the car with my legs hanging out, kicking. And he drove off. Anyway, went back a week later led them all to Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Anyway, I don't even know why I said that, but verse 54. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have to say that, that, I mean, as I get older, I get bolder, right? Sometimes people preach and it's an erroneous doctrine. You just know it. And we know enough. Sometimes we just need to stop being so nice and polite and quiet. Being English, it's difficult because we're very polite. We're a polite society. In England, I wasn't English enough, though. I was an American Pentecostal with an an English accent. They couldn't figure it out. Why is this guy loud and obnoxious? Well, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taken by force. Amen? You don't get things done all the time by being nice. Sometimes you've got to be just a little bit out there. Verse 55, yet you have not known him. But I know him, Jesus said. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. Whew but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Moses, surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Well, what does that mean? What about Exodus chapter 3, when Moses met God at the burning bush? When he said, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. And, and Moses went near and he said, who are you? I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He said, I am. He presented his name to him, Yahweh. I am that I am. Well, who are you? Well, I am your healer. I am your God. I am your deliverer. I'm your savior. I'm your friend. I'm your father. I'm everything you need in this world. I am he that was promised about in Jesus' name. Jesus came along and said, I am. He's saying, I am God. I am Yahweh in the flesh. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. His time wasn't yet. When we're sent by the house of God, or when we're sent by the Lord, no harm will come to us unless God has predestined it to happen. When we're sent... Now, there's a saying when we were in church years ago, but it's true. God wants sent ones, not went ones. And that is a true saying. <laughs> and I know the difference between being sent and just going. There's an authority in your life when you know you've got the backing of a praying church. Amen? When you've got the love of those people. And you know that if anything happens to me on the mission field, I mean, I was in Nigeria last year, and they targeted me for murder to kill me. I was actually targeted uh, uh, right when I got there. The hotel I was seeing at, saying and seven pastors were kidnapped right before I got there. Four of them were murdered. And the guy who was my host, he had a dream, and he went to the, the leadership. He went to the the police, and he had to pay them money. He said, "Tell us what's going on." They said, "Stephen has been targeted for kidnapping and murder." And so I got there. They, they changed all the meetings. They changed where I was staying. We had to stay one step ahead of everybody. And it was a false apostle that had targeted me and joined with the Muslims for my ransom. That, that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was I found out how much my ransom was. I'm not easily offended. $5,000. That's all my life was worth. <laughs> and then towards the end of our meetings, the actual guy who did it came to my meeting. He didn't know that I knew, and I confronted him in the meeting. I'll tell you, I was scared. I was shaking. You know, I mean, I didn't let them see that, but because my voice was a bit hoarse at the time, they kept giving me this drink of honey and, and, and uh, whatever else they were giving me. And I was drinking it, and they kept giving me this drink, and my hand shaking. And I said, just take the drink. I don't even see me shaking. So I put my hands down, and I was calm and assertive and said, you're the man who tried having me murdered. Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, the man was routed out. His whole ministry has collapsed in, in the capital. Wow. And because when apostolic authority comes, it sets things in order. Amen. <laughs> So here's something, I mean, we're kind of going all over the place. So I can't be much longer. But here's the thing with the prophets. The prophet doesn't just proclaim. So if you look at Elisha in the Bible, it was Elisha, right, with the, with the uh, <laughs> when they called him a baldy, right? And then the, the bear came out and mauled the kids. <laughs> that makes me laugh. I'm like, God, that's really cruel. Well, it's not so much that he prophesied that God wanted it to happen. God honored the words of the prophet because the prophet's, They create when they speak. Amen? That's why sometimes prophets, true prophets, get up to speak. It's not so much what they hear, but as they're in communion with God, as they speak, God honors their words and does what they say. Amen? So when we come along and we curse something, it's cursed. And when we bless something, it's blessed. Of course, God wants us to bless something. When I was younger, um, my mom, who was an alcoholic, and she passed away when I was younger from it, a year after she gave her life to Jesus, um, there was a a local store that kept selling her alcohol. And I was over there visiting, and I went up to the store that had been there for 50 years. And I said to well, not that long, but it had been a succession of 50 years, not the same owners. And I went to them and said, hey, you need to stop selling my mother alcohol. And they said, we're not going to. I went to all the other stores. They all said, yes, okay. I went to this one store. I said, stop selling my mother alcohol. And they said, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to keep selling. She's a customer. I said, if you do that, I'm going to curse your business. In six months, it's going to be out of business. And you're going to be left with nothing. And uh, they were like, get lost, you crazy man. So I walked outside. I cursed the building and went about my way. And I forgot about it. Anyway, six months later, it closed down. They got sick. I mean, she didn't die from a sickness, praise God. But she was really sick. They had to close the whole business down, and that building was never sold again. For 15 years after that, they kept, they, someone bought it, well, someone, a developer bought it, and they couldn't keep tenants. Tenants would be there for a month and then would leave, and they were losing money hand over fist. They tried selling it, they couldn't sell the building, and it was a nice building. And then it was about eight or nine years ago, I was walking past it, and I was like, huh, I should probably lift that curse. So I walked up to the building, I laid my hands on it and said, in Jesus' name, Lord, oh, forgive me for cursing this building, but Lord, I release this curse and I bless it in the name of Jesus. It sold within a month. Wow. <laughs> wow. Apostolic authority would do that in the life of the believer. It's better that you're sent than just went. Amen. Amen. Now, if this house was in, was in I, I, I don't recommend people, I've stayed in churches where I knew things were wrong, but God never told me to leave, so I stayed. But it's not always healthy. But know that this is a healthy ground. When you sow into this house, know it is good soil and it's good seed and it will grow and flourish. Your money isn't being wasted here. Amen. right? Bear in mind, it is your money that you give. It's not being wasted here. Because people are being sent. Uh, the reason why I decided to join his house was when our, our brother, I think uh, it may have been you. I'm not sure um, that you came up and you were moving to California. I don't, that wasn't you, was it? Was it? Yeah. Oh, Dallas. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you said about sending them out. And I thought, I can come here now. That's all I was waiting for. The language to shift and change. And as a process. And it's okay. But know that when you're in a sending house, imagine this church has 100 churches across the Orlando region. Some of you may have an authority upon your life where that grows bigger than this house, and this man has to be okay with that. Amen? Then we go overseas and we start works that we don't own. We're there to serve one another. We go to a church overseas filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're there to serve those ministers and those churches. Their church grows bigger than our name ever would. How awesome would that be? We're not here because our names can be in lights. Those days are over for the true man and woman of God. Because one day we'll stand before God. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Were you faithful? Did you serve me well? Did you love me well? Did you serve my church? Did you serve the lost? Did you serve and love your children, your spouse? Did you serve me well? Amen. Amen. Were you faithful? It's amazing that the word faithfulness and the gift of faith, the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness and the gift of faith is the Greek word pistis, which is the same word. It's the only fruit and the only um, uh, gift that's the same. Did you know that? The fruit of faithfulness and the gift of faith is the same thing. It's not just faith for believing for the impossible. It's faith for believing over many, many years. Being faithful with what God has given you. Amen? Amen. Anyway. It's like a hundred tangents, but I'm coming back. Coming back to it. So Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Amen? And then we see John chapter 18. And I've got to get to the Holy Spirit real quick. So John chapter 18. It's it's like a five-week series. John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went over with his disciples over the Brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him. How? Because he's the word. And the word spoke, and he knew what was coming. Because the word can be trusted, and the word still speaks today. Amen? He, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. He didn't say, I am he. The word he is in italics. means it's being added later on to give clarification. He says, I am. Amen? And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. You want to talk about being slain in the spirit? There it is. The power of God hit those people and they fell back and they drew back. Twice we see Jesus say, I am. That him and the Father are one. Amen. Other verses, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We see the Holy Spirit, we see the Father, we see the Son all in the same place. 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul says that God was manifest in the flesh. John 17.22, that, that, that they would be one as we are one. So the Father and the Son are one, both of God. Let's go back to Genesis 1 as I, as I try to wrap up. Genesis chapter 1. So we see that the Father and the Son are one. It's important to know this. Because the Jews believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe in the Spirit of God. So when we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When we say, well, who is the us? Who is our? They will say, well, it's the Holy Spirit. They won't say it's angels because angels didn't create. They are the creation. Even Jews will say that. So who is the us and the hour? Well, we know it's the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, but they would say it's the Father and the Spirit. That's what they're saying. But we know what we just read that we know that Jesus was there in the beginning of creation, and all things were created through him, that he is the word who became flesh. Amen? You with me? All right. So it wasn't angels, the Father. Was it the Father and the Spirit? Is what some Jews believe, what I just said? So we know the Father and the Son are One. We know that Jesus, the Word who became flesh, was with the Father in the beginning. That all things are held together by Jesus. And that Jesus is God, but is the Holy Spirit God? Amen. You said yes? I'm done. Let's go home. Good answer. Verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The Spirit of God is the Hebrew word, the ruach, the breath. Of God, The literal breath of God. Amen? And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I can't keep going on much longer here, but... I wanted to... All right. So the Spirit of God. So the Trinity, the word Trinity, we know isn't found in Scripture. But the principle of the Trinity is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You can't separate the person from his words, which is carried by his breath. So let me explain. So the Father spoke, the words came out, carried by the breath of God. These three are one. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You picture a triangle. On either side, one side you've got Father, one side you've got Word, or Jesus. On the bottom side, you've got Holy Spirit. In the Word, you've got the title God. God is his title, not his name. Amen? So the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. Deuteronomy 6, 4, where it says, The Lord our God is one. Amen? Not three separate gods, but one. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. So here's what happens. You cannot separate the words from the person. You cannot separate the breath from the person. Do you remember years ago, the actor Christopher Reeves, when he had his injury, he played Superman that we grew up with. He, had a, he, had his, he broke his neck. He couldn't breathe without a machine. What he had to do, the machine had to inflate his lungs, and then he could speak. Without air, you cannot speak. Right? when I speak, the words that come out of me are coming out of me. Not of anyone else. Uh, there, there's no ventriloquist controlling me. I'm speaking. It's the same with God. When the Father spoke, the words that came out of His mouth was Jesus. Carried by the breath, His breath, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God. Amen? <laughs> These three are one. Amen. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is also a person. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You can't fellowship with a thing, or a breath, or an inanimate object. He's not just a force for good, he's a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus isn't everywhere, believe it or not. He seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. How can it be the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of the Father if He's not one and the same? The Spirit of God now resides in us as believers. Because Jesus, I mean, imagine Jesus residing inside of you as an actual person. it would be kind of weird. I cut my, my, my flesh and it's like dark skin, not this white, pink, pasty skin that you see before you. Because you see, Jesus, no, he's one. He's, he's and he sent the promise of his Holy Spirit. That basically, I, I won't, I mean, he's not little Jesus is everywhere. I mean, he's not little Jesus, but just that analogy that is like, it's Jesus, the spirit of Jesus resides in all the believers. Amen? Amen. I don't want to denigrate him to, to a little Jesus. Jesus isn't everywhere, but his spirit is. And it's Jesus' spirit that's in us. We see in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 through, through 4, when Ananias and Sapphira, when they lied to the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 3 that they lied to the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, they said that they have lied to God. So if they lied to the Holy Spirit but lied to God, they know that the Holy Spirit is God, the Spirit of God. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life into man and created Adam. And the Spirit of God gave life to mankind has been given life to us ever since. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, the blast of God's breath into the nostrils of that which he created from the dust of the ground, he gave life to, became a living being. Don't just play just yet, almost. Amen. And then we see Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. When God says to Adam, he says not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He said, the day you you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Did he die that day? No. He lived another 900 years. How is that possible? Because he didn't die physically, he died spiritually. Amen? Which is the true life of an individual. Spiritual life. The life that we live, living for God. When our spirit dies, so the spirit of man died within him and men died spiritually. It took thousands of years for Jesus to come. That's why he says in John chapter 3, verse 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Born from above. That Jesus, the last Adam, not the second Adam, the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 says, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus became a life-giving spirit. The Spirit and the Son are one and the same because they can both give life, but only the Father can give life because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. They can all give life, amen? But I thought only God gave life. Well, Jesus is God. And then we're going to do here and then we're going to pray for you. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. John chapter 20, verse 21, I think it is or 22, after Jesus died and was resurrected from the grave, which is amazing. (laughs) So Jesus defeated death, hell, sin. He conquered it all. And at the end, he went to his disciples and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they became born again. The Spirit of God entered into them. And they were restored back like Adam was in the very beginning in the garden. There's no difference from us with, with, uh, than Adam. That Adam walked with God in the garden, we walk with God in the garden. Amen? We have intimacy with God. Nothing can separate us from God. Yes, we have flesh, but flesh can't be cast out. It must be crucified. It must die. Amen? Amen? As we die to self, our relationship with God comes more and more alive. Amen. So Jesus breathed on them. How was he able to give life to them? Because he became a life-giving spirit. That the Spirit of God, in the beginning, the Ruach was breathed on the disciples. uh, Sorry, upon Adam. Adam sinned. He lost that breath. Jesus came and restored life back to mankind. Then in John chapter 20, received the Holy Spirit. And they were born again in that moment. Born from above. But this is not the same thing as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That came later. How do I know that? Because if it's the same thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit, why do they need the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2? Amen? It's a good question, Steve. Why? I'll tell you. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. When John the Baptist says, that one is coming after me whose sandal straps are not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen? Some of us were born in fire, born again in fire. We know the fire. As a kid, I was an arsonist. Side note, side story. The town I grew up in was about 3,000 people strong. There was a big field. And in the field, I decided one day to set it on fire with a few friends. And it was, you know, it was like the end of the season. The corn had been grown or the potatoes had been grown. So we burnt it. They do a control burn anyway. Well, this got out of control burnt the whole field down. The builder or, or the the um the farmer was so annoyed he sold his uh, his land to the next builder. They built upon that land houses. The town became ten thousand people strong. Years later, I got born again. I went back to my town and I pastored the people that are now living on the land that I burnt as a as a uh, as an unregenerate youth. That's redemption. When God will take your mess and He'll turn it around and He'll do something powerful. What God. What, what the enemy meant for evil, God returned on me for good. Amen. Some of you are like, I can never go back to where I'm from. I went door to door on my street, apologizing to all the neighbors I terrorized as a kid. and I, terror- I had one man put his finger on my face and said, you, you made my life hell for years. I said, oh, no, I know I did. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he became a member of our church, him and his son. Amen. God will do that. But I, I knew that I was born again and baptized in fire. The Holy Spirit wants to come in like a rushing mighty wind. And he wants to set us on fire. Fire for the things of God. He wants to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He wants to set us free from our own desires and our own wants. Yeah, he doesn't control us. We're not robots. But sometimes, Lord, just take control. Just take over. Not my will, but your will be done. And what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and in you, and He turbocharges that which was given to you at birth. Some of you, you were born with something, but you didn't quite understand. And then you come to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is blown into your life, and then all of a sudden you can do the things you could never do before. As a child, I stammered, I stuttered. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I stopped stuttering. At 19, I worked at Disney. I never shared the gospel with anyone except for my mother. I didn't know how to. And I stammered still. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're at 19 years of age in 1996 at Destiny Church in Winter Park. And the next day I went to to work. And uh, I called up my friend on the phone and said, I can't stop speaking in tongues. What do I do? He said, then don't stop speaking in tongues. (laughs) I found a room and I prayed. And then that afternoon at lunchtime, all of our employees were gathered around and I preached the gospel to them. And my boss, someone said to my boss, what happened to Stephen? And she said, he's encountered the Holy Spirit. He will turbocharge that which you thought you didn't even have or possess. He'll put his marker, his seal of approval upon you and he'll send you to do what he's called you to do in power. Yes. Amen. You can play now. Acts chapter one, verse four. Just want to read this. We're going to get ready to pray. I want you to start. Prepare in your heart. Remember, He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. If there's disobedience in your life, as there's been in mine in times past, take a moment to get right with God. Take this moment. Repent of your sins. It's a dirty word these days. Repent and sin. Repent of your sin, of fornication. Of lust and adultery of lying of idolatry of hatred murder in the heart repent of our sins of our jealousy of our covetousness repent and surrender your life to Jesus again now I know you're in a church that doesn't take sin lightly but it's the little compromises that come in that years down the road we say how did I get off course Stay on cause, people. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In John, He was in them for salvation. But now He wants to come upon you for power, to do the miraculous, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world, in Apopka, in Orlando. In Florida, America, the nations, the nations are calling. Will you go? Oh Lord, here am I, send me. You can't be sent without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't even preach effectively to your neighbor without the promise of the Holy Spirit. You can't even pray without the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, you can't cast out devils without the Holy Spirit. You want to cast out devils? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to preach for boldness? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to win your schools? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want dreams and visions? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to speak in new tongues? Now ask Him, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, would you fill me? Fill me, Lord. He wants to feel you more than you want to be filled. He wants to touch you more than you want to be touched. He wants to change you more than you want to be changed. And He wants to send you more than you want to be sent. In Jesus' name. Let's just prepare our hearts. The Holy Spirit, the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit, the third part in the Trinity, The Spirit of God, God Himself, wants to come right now to touch you in Jesus' name. Just ask Him for the fire. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit RemnantChristianCenter.com.